This episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Well, it's going to be a great show. We've got Michael O'Fay coming up, author of The Minimalist Vegan, a simple manifesto on why to live with less stuff and more compassion. It's going to be great. I love this topic. So get yourself some water, tea, juice. Get ready to declutter. We'll be back right after this with Michael O'Fay. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at juicecoachtraining.com. Well, welcome back to the show. We've got Michael O'Fay. I said he's the author of The Minimalist Vegan. He's a uh, blogger and now podcasting, the minimalist, the minimalistvegan.com. And he's here on the show together with his wife, Mesa. The duo is on a mission to inspire millions to live with less stuff and more compassion. Let's welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, hey, how are you guys going? Oh, look, I am riding solo for this conversation. Um, <laughs> so um, please bear with me. I'll try to do my best martial impersonation. <laughs> so how's it going over there uh, down under, Michael? Uh, it's going great. Um, look, we're just uh, about to turn into uh, autumn or, or fall, as you guys would say, uh, in North America. So um, no, it's great. I'm, I'm in the capital city, uh, which mm-hmm. is called Canberra, uh, which is in between Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, and, and things are looking great. It's very relaxed in our culture. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your journey. My wife and I have been watching this show from Australia. It's called um, Bringing Sexy Back. And I could see in your country that, you know, health isn't the number one thing. (laughs) No, it certainly is not. Um, I think uh, we have a long way to go to, um, you know, to... You know, to, to to be open to things like what you're teaching with your wife around juicing, um, but uh, little steps. Yeah. So let's talk about your journey. How did you get into all this? Yeah. So I think for me, you know, obviously what what I really specialize in is the intersection of minimalism and veganism. And as we, you know, if I reflect on on my journey, um, it all started with minimalism, which then led into veganism, and then all the health benefits um, that came along with that. And it was about uh, six years ago, um, you know, I, I was just searching uh, for something, some more purpose in my life. I just left real estate. Um, I just left that industry that I really loved because um, it wasn't something that I saw a future with, with Marsha and being in that industry. Um, mm-hmm. She wanted to travel. She wanted to do creative endeavors with photography. So I had to really take a step back and re-evaluate my life. And up until that point, I defined a lot of my success by more. You know, I was in my mid-20s and um, society, my family and friends had conditioned me to believe that success came in accumulating assets, whether it was houses or stocks or, you know, having a lot of wealth, having cars, having, you know, a six-bedroom house and investment properties. Um, That's how I define success. So that's what I was pursuing. Mm -hmm. But when that was taken away from me, uh, I was forced to reevaluate what success looked like. And I came across a blog. Um, your audience may be familiar with Leo Babauta's work, uh, zenhabits.net, um, where he talks all about creating very healthy habits. Um, but he also talks about Zen Buddhism and veganism and minimalism. So um, it was after watch, you know, sort of looking at his journey and seeing that, hey, hang on, this guy um, 
you know, has flipped the equation on success. So, you know, he really sees success in pursuing less um, and, you know, getting out of what I call the more virus and this constant desire of wanting more things um, and associating our happiness to it. He was really advocating for, you know, how do you pare down your stuff to really identify what's important to you? Do you have the courage to simplify? And this type of language is really appealing to me. And through his content, I actually came across an article uh, where he talked about, um, you know, veganism and animals, which led me down uh, a rabbit hole, no pun intended with that terminology, um, mm-hmm. but it led me down a, a rabbit hole to, um, you know, discover a film called Earthlings, which I shared with my wife, Marsha, who was vegetarian at the time, uh, which we watched together. Um, you know, I was only open to watching this documentary because I was already open to changing my, all my behaviors and habits through minimalism. And mm-hmm. once I watched this documentary, which touched on, you know, uh, animal exploit- exploitation across not only food, but, you know, the entertainment industry, the fashion industry, the, the farming industry, um, you know, across the whole spectrum, uh, that's when I became connected to what I was eating and consuming and uh, became vegan overnight. Uh, one of those, <laughs> yes. one, of the, one of those journeys just kind of yeah. like, and yeah, that movie will do it, won't it? Yeah, it will. Well, you know, not for, not for everybody. I've, I've recommended it to some friends and uh, it didn't seem to really um, change their perspective, but for most people right. that watch it, it certainly uh, changes the paradigm. Um, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's narrated by Wacom Phoenix. The music's done by Moby. It's, um, you know, it's incredible filmmaking. But um, it, it, the way they, they show animal exploitation, it's, it's a borderline horror movie. So it's a bit hard to unsee um, some of that activity when you watch it. So that's, yeah. that's where it all shifted for me. And it, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just food. It was really a whole lifestyle that we, we started to embark on. Um, you know, we audited our clothes. We, we, we audited, um, you know, even our car, our transportation, everything. Everything was, was um, in question. Well, so this, ha- this, was happening, this happened at the same time as trying to become more of a minimalist? Yeah, well, the minimalist journey started first and then veganism came along. And I think this brings up a really good point about the intersection of the two concepts because, you know, at the time it was all about, um, you know, we're ruthlessly paring down everything from sentimentals to shoes to fashion to to beauty products, everything um, we're paring down. However, um, as soon as we became vegan, there, there was another consideration in terms of just owning less. Then it was about what are you owning? <laughs> um, is what are you owning in line with, with the values of ethical consumption? So um, that's when, you know, sure, like, for example, we might only, we, we share shampoo, we share deodorants, great. That's, that's, that's really good from a minimalist standpoint and a footprint. But, you know, do those products contain uh, animal ingredients inside of them? So it just adds another layer of consideration when, when you're looking at your consumption habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all sort of happened at the same time. So it was quite overwhelming. Um, but we were a point in our lives where we were ready to embark on that knowledge and that research. And, um, you know, particularly for men, it's, it's, it's not easy. You know, when you're, you know, you're trying to, you know, buy things that are going to last a long time because you don't want to have to keep buying them. But they also tick those boxes of ethical considerations. You know, you find yourself on some really niche pockets of the internet trying to find these products because you can't just walk into your local retail outlet or thrift store and expect 
the salesperson to be able to answer the questions about their supply chain and fair work and ethical consideration and, and everything else that comes along with that. So for the two of you, what did this change bring out, uh, you know, from letting go of things to eating vegan? What, what, like, what did you notice? What were the first changes as you uh, went along the journey? Look, I think the first big change is, is, is conviction and independent thinking. Um, so I mm. think for your mental health, um, it, 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 when you sort of break away from the status quo and what is expected for success, what is expected for you to consume, you start looking at the world very differently. So it brought a level of clarity and understanding of the world um, that has been invaluable. So that's probably the first benefit. Uh, I think for minimalism, it's brought an incredible amount of focus in my life and our lives. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we spend a lot of our time, you know, doing our last best work with a minimalist vegan and creating content there. And we are only able to do that, um, while supporting ourselves just previously through day jobs and things like that, because we were willing to pare down our things. I mean, when you're trying to serve people at a greater level and you, you probably experienced this as well, Stephen, the last thing you want to do is think about what you have to wear today. And, um, you know, and think about right. you know, how many commitments you have. Are you overcommitted with your relationships? Are you overcommitted with things you've said yes to? And that's where minimalism really helps with that clarity and focus. It sort of calls you out to identify what's actually really essential and mm-hmm. it forces you to do that work um, so you know what you can say yes and what you can say no to. The, the vegan aspect is just brought us uh, more connected to uh, the world, to nature, to animals, of course, but it's also given us uh, perspective and it's given us great health. I mean, our mm-hmm. digestion improves. I'm currently experimenting with intermittent fasting, uh, you know, down to one mm-hmm. meal a day um, and using, you know, eating very large butter bowls, substantiated with a juice and experimenting with how I feel. And, you know, I just think the the energy that plants give you to be able to do your best work has also been invaluable so i think they both work really well together and down the rabbit hole we go (laughs) it's true you know and it's amazing what's possible when we're out of the conditioning the other thing i was thinking of when you were talking though was the the journey of being an entrepreneur and living your passion and getting the message out and inspiring and helping other people and even within that journey, there can be a lot of clutter. You know, I had, I'd struggled earlier on with letting things go and doing everything for the business. Now I outsource, we have a team and it's great. Yeah. Uh, so that's another trap we can get into, isn't it? When we uh, take on too much and don't give up a lot of our uh, control. Oh, tell me about it. You know, the, the more virus exists everywhere, right? And, and I think for those who are ambitious, even though for, you know, the right reasons in inverted commas, it, it brings its own level of clutter um, because, you know, as you know, you're constantly, you know, seeking and being open to opportunities. Um, you know, I know when, um, you know, you guys initially reached out to do an interview, we, you know, we pushed it back a few times because we had that, that laser beam focus on content. Um, but I think, yeah. you know, when you look at your company operating system, I think, you know, I don't know about you, but we've experimented with all these different types of apps and systems and all of these things that create so much clutter in your workflow. Um, but you know, we, we, we had to take a step back at some point and say, hang on, 
as a minimalist, how would we run a minimalist business here? And, you know, and, and, and I think sometimes it just means you have to be comfortable with foregoing some particular features. You need to be comfortable perhaps doing some more work or, or, or having the courage to outsource as you've been doing as well. I mean, rerun most of our business just in Google Calendar now. You know, we've gotten rid of many apps and everything just runs on a calendar, uh, how time is allocated. And yes, we don't have all the functionality and flexibility that we would get in four or five different pieces of software, but we're happy to make that compromise for, you know, to fight for simplicity in our business, to give us a peace of mind. Um, and for someone else, it could be just going back to analog. If, if, if a pen and paper, um, you know, is productive for you, you don't need to feel the need to have the more virus and catch yourself on YouTube rabbit holes about the best systems to use. Um, and then likewise for yourself and people who are ready to outsource particular content, whether it's, you know, post-production and editing and podcasting, um, you, know, you know, do you have the courage to also, you know, pay somebody to, to free up your time to do your most meaningful work? But again, as a minimalist, do you know where your time is most best spent? Do you know what your core strengths are in your business? And are you willing to say no to the things that are not your strengths so you can focus on that more? Great points. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a journey. Now, you talk about um, the trap of minimalist aesthetics. Did you want to yeah. shed some light on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, look, I, I see this more and more, particularly with, um, you know, with social media, you know, when you look at Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, there's, you know, there's this um, perception that uh, there's, there's a real aspiration in minimalism because uh, let's face it, simplicity in itself is quite sexy. I mean, that's minimalism actually came from design concepts. So, you know, when you look at, you know, the design of an iPhone, you know, they're ruthlessly getting rid of features and ports and buttons um, to always refine and make it simpler. And we find that really attractive as a culture. And the same thing goes for clothing. The same thing goes for home decor. Um, and I think we can sometimes miss the point of minimalism where all we're trying to do is pare down our things just so we can bring on things that look really pretty or they look really good to the outside world. Um, and while that's great and, and that might be really important to you that's fine um the real value in in, in minimalism is actually um you know it, it doesn't have to be sexy i mean there could be ugly minimalism you might be in a particular uh, you know home or you might not wear the most fashionable clothes but you might be in a house where things are not so trendy but but you look around and you don't have many possessions. You've reduced how many decisions, decisions that you had to make. And unfortunately, we don't see too many examples of that type of minimalism to betray the movement. Mm. Um, so I think for those who are getting into it, just be aware of that trap, that you know, the aesthetic in itself and pursuing that aesthetic is a form of the more virus. It's actually creating further, uh, increased expectations of yourself in your life. And that can lead to depression and discontentment because you're comparing yourself to others about, you know, I, I don't own, like I need to own, you know, 30 or less clothes because somebody else is doing it. Or my house needs to look this particular way because it's pretty and I really want it to look that way. Interesting. I've never thought of that. So that's, that's you could see how you can get trapped in that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and this, this clearing away, what's been the hardest part of the journey? Um, like, do you ever get to a point where, you know, you're wishing maybe that 
you weren't in this mindset or that you missed the life you had before or that you feel lonely on the journey? What do you think has been the hardest part? Yeah, look, the, in terms of the loneliness, I've, I've been really fortunate to be able to embark on this journey with my wife, Marsha, the whole way through. Um, so that's a bit of a, a life cheat code for, for me in our situation. Um, but I think, I think the toughest part of the journey, and I'll speak on both sides, and I'll speak first about uh, minimalism. And, and I think um, with minimalism, it, it clutter creeps up on you. So what I mean by that is um, if you're not constantly auditing your things, like, you know, we think of storage, for example. So whenever any of us are considering buying a new home or renting a new home, one of the, the first considerations is the feature is how much storage does this property have? And, and I think the, the challenge and the problem that I have with storage is that um, on the surface, you can, you can have a minimalist aesthetic or you might not have many things, but that's because you've buried all of your possessions in storage um, and you haven't really addressed the core problem. And I think for minimalism, that's where it's caught me over time is that, um, you know, what you say yes to in terms of commitments, friendships and things that just creep into your storage, that creeps up on you. And then when you realize that it can be uh, quite overwhelming and, and quite sad because you're like, oh, it, it, it's like you've got the weight of things in your life uh, and you're quite disappointed with with yourself for not staying on top of it. Mm. Um, so that's some of the ongoing battles I've had with minimalism, although I've become a lot more mindful of that over time. Um, from, the vegan, from the veganism aspect, you know, why I became vegan is for the, the, the ethical considerations. So that comes with its own uh, reality. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you've had Claire Mann, um, she, she's from Australia on your show, and she's written a book recently called Vistopia. And this is really just talking about you know, lifting the veil on society and seeing it for what it is. And it actually creates a, a level of dystopia uh, once you realise all of the, the harm and slaughter and exploitation and capitalism that comes along uh, with veganism. And, you know, that can lead to a level of depression, you know. When right. You turn, on, turn on the television uh, and people are so <laughs> angry about live export, yet alone there's so much meat being consumed in their homes and there's such a contradiction that that can really mm. rile you up and that can make you quite emotional so i think for me that's been the biggest challenge is just um you know fighting to be outside of the vegan bubble because a lot of us listening to this can get caught up in a health bubble or the vegan bubble or the minimalist bubble and you surround yourself and all your content that you're consuming with these values to sort of keep you on your journey but what that does is it pushes you away from reality and you start to remove that empathy from the world, uh, that relatability to be able to communicate with people that don't necessarily have the same ideals and values as you. But that's a fine balance because you don't want to rile yourself up and get too emotional. Um, and I think minimalism and veganism, it, it's just this rapid consumerism. You know, the triggers come at birthdays, they come at Christmas time where you just see so much consumerism you know, there's two ways to approach it. You could be overwhelmed and sad or, you know, you can take it as an opportunity to be a voice for that movement and but do it in a very relatable way. Key. Yeah, that's key, isn't it? Because, you know, when we're in the judgment seat, you know, that repels people. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely, you know, it's really, it's just an interesting topic, all of this. I mean, it's just very thought-provoking. We're here with uh, Michael Lay, author of The Minimalist Vegan, um, and that book, how do we get a hold of that book, Michael? 
Yeah, um, look, that, that book can be found, um, you know, online uh, primarily. Uh, so if, if you know if you shop on Amazon, it's available there, or all the other common retail outlets which are which are online. The book is there, um, and you know if you ask your library uh, for a copy, it, it will be on the database, so they'll be able to get that in as well. Um, you know if, if if you're not into just buying things, <laughs> uh, we also have a digital. We have um, digital versions, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that to on Kindle or iBooks. So um, yeah, just just type it into to Google, and you should be able to find a copy near you. We'll actually put a link for you under the show notes at juicegrowradio.com under this show with Michael uh, Ofe. So check for it there, too. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juicegururadio.com. Until next time, get your juice on. That word consumerism, is yep. this, uh, you know, is this, are, are we living in a sane society? I mean, what 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 is it with consumerism and what is it that people are looking for and how do we escape that trap? Yeah, look, I think it's... Um, <clears throat> you, look, I, I, I think... I think when when we lift up the veil and we look at the life cycle of a product, I think that's where it needs to start. Um, you know, are we getting to the point of consuming something at that point where we make that decision are we considering the life cycle of it you know what happens at the end of its life cycle where does it go how does it impact that environment and our world Uh, and also what type of use do you get out of it as a consumer as well and i think um you know it's only natural um when we have all this advertising a lifetime of advertising um not even this advertising because not not a huge amount of us are watching traditional media or radio or, or television it's it's creeping into our lives through influence through people we look up to through mm-hmm. social media through people around in our lives and um everything is a walking brand so um it, it's it's easy to fall into that trap of wanting more and, 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 but I think once you start to understand the, the life cycle of things and the impact that it has and also the beauty and simplicity and the beauty in having less things, then that becomes an attractive proposition. And I think only when we can make something like minimalism or veganism attractive as a proposition, something to aspire to, then we're willing to do that work about the life cycle because it's not easy work. It requires a lot of research to actually understand what's happening and for you to be more diligent in the way you consume and for you to, um, you know, to say no in social, social situations that you've been accustomed to, there needs to be a level of um, willingness and aspiration uh, to get that journey started. Now, for that part of the show is really for, we've got two friends in our audience, basically, two types of people, people that are looking to get healthy and stay healthy with juicing, and we've got our entrepreneurs, our health entrepreneurs that are uh, becoming certified juice therapists with us and really want to ignite the juice revolution, get people healthier and and transcend uh, along the journey. And the, okay. so the next part I want to talk a little about it, your business and living your passion and some things that they can take home. So in building your business, what's been the most challenging thing with turning your passion into a business? Yeah, well, it's, uh, look, I think it's for any anything that starts off as a passion project um you know you you start to grow a real attachment to you know the purity of it so i think there's two two different hats to wear 
um, when you're thinking about monetizing uh, versus just creating something that's pure. And I think that to me has been the greatest challenge for us. Mm. Uh, we started The Minimalist Vegan in March 2015 purely as a passion project. Um, but because it was a passion project, it actually grew quite quickly because, you know, the content we're creating came from a really pure place um, and mm. it was able to, to grow quickly. Now, now that we are transitioning our business into monetization, um, you know, it, 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 without question starts to compromise that purity because um, it's just mm. part of the game. I mean, all of a sudden you, you need to reverse engineer your audience and understand what their wants and desires are to see if you can create a value to them or it's, you know, are you creating value to sponsors and partners, um, you know, whilst compromising that relationship with your audience. And so I think um, for me, that's been the greatest challenge is the balance mm-hmm. between, um, you know, just being the, the, the creative artist mm-hmm. and being the entrepreneur. Uh, and, and what's the middle ground uh, between the two? Um, so oh, please go in. No, yeah, it just reminded me of my own journey because when I started my podcast 10 years ago when podcasting was new and it was sure. one of the first health uh, you know, podcasts out there and then we were – it was the same thing though, Michael. We were trying – I was trying to figure out, wow, we've got a big audience. What do we do? Can I leave the full-time job? Uh, this is really my passion. And, and then I remember just – you know, the pushback from a lot of the people in the audience that didn't want to continue that journey when it came to creating yeah. programs and things like that. So I, I, I remember what that transition was like. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> you know, you've got such a prime example, but I think, you know, but, but you finding ways to monetize your business has given you more time to have a larger impact, right? Exactly. There, you know, I, I talked about it before in a work, a webinar we were doing recently, and I always say it, um, you know, it was this awareness. It was an entrepreneur that I was listening to at the time, and he said something really valuable to me, and it was just that if you, um, you know, it, you could be the best teacher in the world and not really be able to pay the bills or buy your organic food. Like you, you need to figure out a way to market your message in order to reach more people. And that's, that's what helped me to embrace. Okay. You know what? We're going to reach more people and we're going to, that's the number one thing. So what do we need to do to make that happen? Absolutely. You're spot on. And I think, you know, you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, well, what's the, what's the motive here? What's a North star. And I think when, when your moral compass is to, uh, particularly people in your audience, is to spread health and mm-hmm. compassion to as many people as possible, mm-hmm. then, you know, you market, market your tail off, you know, partner with who you need to par- partner with. Propaganda, propaganda people, I say that intentionally, but if you've got a good message and a positive, a positive message, um, you know, go all in behind that. And I think, you know, that's the point we're at right now is that we're, you know, you know, everything's on the table. We, we, we have a decent audience um, and, you know, we, we do freelancing on the side. We do some writing, but, you know, we, you know, we've got, you know, multiple revenue streams coming in and books coming up, but, but, you know, we're, we're not as precious um, about that transition um, because we're really confident in our why and what we're trying to do. Always comes back to the why. And, you know, no matter what, 
on this journey, you're still going to get that pushback. And I posted something in our Facebook group like a week ago or something because of some negativity that was coming at me. And it was basically the people that know you will never question why you're doing what you're doing. And you know, the people, the people that come in and just surface, see what you're doing might not get it, but and think you're in it for the money. But those that know, you know, how generous you are and how this, this is a mission. This is a passion. Absolutely. And, (laughs) and, and those who are close to, you know, know what you've been, you know, creating for free for so many years on your own accord in your spare time. Um, And continue to, and continue to do. And continue to do that. I mean, you know, for, for content creators specifically, I mean, you know, there's times where, you know, I've been working, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, strong day job, a great career. And in my lunch break after work, I'm, you know, creating content when I could be doing so many other things. And, and sometimes I think, you know, do people think I'm crazy? But, um, <laughs> but, but you, you do it because you're pulled to do it. And uh, I think if, if, if you have that ability to amplify that and you, you have a means of paying yourself so you can continue to do that, um, I think you can be really comfortable, um, you know, pushing that hard. Well, it's really exciting. You're reaching so many people, 50,000 visitors a month at theminimalistvegan.com. What would you say has been the key contribution to uh, getting to grow in the audience this quickly um, around your passion? Um, I, I think, you know, we, we've, it's not our first website that we've launched, so we, we've got a bit of experience, but I think uh, the, the, the word I use there is launch. I think that that's really important for, for any content platform is uh, when you're about to launch something, that's an opportunity to really build as much buzz as possible. So I think for us, um, you know, it was, you know, when we launched the website, it was, you know, design was very important to us and the content was very important to us. So uh, we launched with fly- five posts um, that, you know, we, we spent a lot of time creating. Um, we created a design that was very focused on the content, not much clutter on the website. We wanted it to represent what, did the words minimalist vegan say on our website that whole experience um and then with that we you know we we spent a lot of time uh reaching out to to influencers and partners um before we launched to build a relationship so i'm talking like four months in advance we're building relationships and and this is just and when i say relationships this is um not expecting anything in return, really just, um, you know, giving a shout out to people we admire and acknowledging the work that they're doing. Um, but with that, we did have a coming soon page. And in our email signature, people were able to click through to the coming soon page. So quite organically, we had a lot of responses from these influencers saying, oh, I noticed you've got a website coming up. You know, we've signed up. I can't wait to see what you guys have in store. And it started a bit of a dialogue. So by the time we launched... We had a database of hundreds of contacts that we could reach out to that were already anticipating something, um, and then that that really propelled us and gave us momentum out of the gates. Um, and then from there, you know, sort of SEO from search, from Google search results for recipes and and, and common keywords and articles uh, started to get momentum and brought a sustainable traffic. Um, you know, that's always the best traffic, in my opinion, um, because social media is, you know, is is you know, you only get a burst of traffic when you share something. Um, but SEO tends to compound month over month, um, depending on how quality your content is. So together with our launch, um, and oh, there was one other component to that as well. We, we offered a free cookbook as an email lead magnet initially. We've taken it off the website now. 
Um, but we literally had 21 recipes, which we packaged together in a professional ebook, which was available on iBooks and Amazon um, for free if you signed up to our email list. Um, and that page converted at like 50%. Um, so wow. the combination of all of those things, and you know, once we had people in our email list, then we had an audience um, that we could work with um, over time. So those were a couple of key ingredients to um, getting things started. And I should say, how do you apply minimalism to your online projects? Because we know how that could be. Um, work in progress, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think, you know, for, for us, it's like uh, the, the minimalism that we're applying at the moment is, okay, what's the most important thing that we can do? And that is uh, creating content. So we we have moved from you know from one article a week to on addition to that a, a plant based vegan recipe every week to on top of that a weekly podcast to on top of that is eventually going to be a weekly vlog which we're going to be launching probably in May uh, which is going to document our journey from moving from Australia to Slovenia uh, as minimalist vegans and what that whole journey looks like so um, mm. for us um, the North Star. The, the absolute most dollar productive thing that we can do is creating content. So the minimalist approach, as I said, back to that calendar is, does our calendar reflect that priority? Um, and I think this is really important right. for anybody running a business um, is there's really impactful things that you could be doing. And there's things that you think are important that are not that important. And I think it's, you need to identify what are you going to get the most return on investment for, for a real estate agent that I used to be, it was making a hundred calls a week and having appointments with customers. That was the most important thing I could be doing. Everything else kind of got in the way of that. And my business wasn't moving Mm. forward in the minimalist vegan. It's content. Well, how much are we publishing? Um, how prolific are we being in publishing? Um, on top of that, you know, how much progress are we making on our books or, you know, membership platforms and everything else that we've got on the side? And then, you know, the admin, you know, so emails, applying to comments and, you know, running your accounting books and everything like that, whilst it's important, shouldn't dominate your week and your time. So um, for us, we just have a real clear focus on what's, in, what's important and we're not kind of afraid to say no to opportunities to protect that time. Now, is your goal, I mean, is, is that your, your focus to show people how to live with less stuff and more compassion? Is that what it's all about? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we hear from our audience all the time, inspiration, inspiration, inspiration. So I, I think, you know, that if you've got to listen to your audience and your customers, um, so that's what we're trying to double down. And that's why we're trying to show more of ourselves um, that's why we want to document our whole journey on YouTube and, and we don't want to hide anything. We want to show you what it's like being in a new country and figuring out, okay, what am I going to buy here? What am I going to eat? How am I going to protect my health? How am I going to still live these values in a completely different environment and grow that so people can just see the raw stuff, what's really happening? And hopefully that's going to inspire you to, to, to shift that paradigm and disconnect from the social pressure and start to think more independently. And it's a unique niche. You're here in the blue ocean with minimalist vegan. I don't think that I've seen that um, term used often. No, no, it's um, it, no, it's there. There might be. I've seen it. Obviously, I've seen it pop up a lot on my radar because we have people reach out to us. Um, but yeah, less stuff, more compassion. The intersection, conscious consumerism. 
mm-hmm. to me just makes a lot of sense. So, um, so you know, happy to be in that pocket. And we have a lot of vegans at our audience that, you know, want to pare down and live with less. And uh, we also have a lot of people who are interested in living with less that get introduced to vegan living and plant-based living. So let's wrap up with three steps we could take. What would your three steps be to be more of a minimalist vegan? Would you combine them or three steps to be a minimalist or three steps to be a vegan? How do do you, um, what are three action steps we could take to get to integrate this? Yeah, well, look, I think um, uh, for minimalism to me, it's, 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 the, the, the first step you need to take is um, there's, there's a couple of approaches. You can look at getting a very quick win. So what I mean by quick win is, um, you know, just focusing on something you use day to day and that might be your wardrobe. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for having a personal uniform, that, which is quite extreme. What I mean by that is um, essentially wearing the same clothes every day, multiple copies of the clothes, of course. Um, and, and that is to just eliminate some decisions in your day. You might want to start off by doing that, um, for a few months to see what it feels like. Um, now what, what I mean by this specifically is, um, you know, I have, uh, t-shirts that I wear every day, but they're different colors, but they're the same style, same with Mm -hmm. my bottoms, same with my jackets. Um, you know, it's very similar to how Steve Jobs, um, always wore denim jeans and a black turtleneck, Mm -hmm. right? Um, or Barack Obama always wore the same colored suits, or Mark Zuckerberg is always wearing the same clothes. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of ways to look at this. Yes, it reduces your decision fatigue and you can come up with a style. But the other aspect, which might be more aspirational for you, is that like the people I just mentioned, you become iconic. You become known mm-hmm. for a style and this could change every season. Um, I think if you were to implement something like that and audit what's in your wardrobe and experience the benefits of not having to think about that, but also being proud about what you're wearing, you might then start to prioritize this journey of thinking this way. Because the challenge of minimalism and decluttering specifically is that I think we would all like to live with less clutter, just like we'd all like to be healthy. Mm-hmm. But the challenge I find when I talk to people about it is their capacity is full. Um, they might be overwhelmed in life. And to think about having to audit all their things is just the last thing that's on their minds. And it's never something that gets pushed up the priority list. So start off with a quick win. So start off with your wardrobe, you know, start off with your kitchen. Do you really need all those pots and pans? Do you really need all those spoons to serve with? You know, my wife and I just, you know, we lived we live to this day with just a wine glass each. <laughs> um, you know, do you really need multiple wine glasses? People come over for dinner, we're serving them in mugs and glasses, but we don't care. And mm-hmm. they, laugh, they laugh about it because they know what we're about. So can you get some quick wins in those aspects that triggers a deeper journey for you and your minimalist journey? Uh, for veganism, um, same thing. It's about uh, the actions are easy for any habit change if you're connected to the why. Um, and this goes for health, this goes for veganism. Um, so I think the first thing is if you're open, um, is, is educating yourself and spending a weekend, you know, watching documentaries like Earthlings or Dominion or Cowspiracy, um, which I'm sure you might be able to link to somewhere, um, to, to sort of start to change that paradigm that you have. And then from there, join the communities, whether it's on Facebook or in person, uh, mm-hmm. vegan communities and groups for people who are, are doing what you're doing and then embarking on 30 day challenges and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. 
um, because you're going to get a lot of pushback from your sphere of influence because this stuff hasn't become mainstream yet. And that's your biggest challenge. Um, so I think um, it's conditioning your mind first and, and the actions will become really easy from there. And finally, for those that are looking to live their passion, make a living living their passion, not having a boss, your final words, word of advice for them. It doesn't have to be three steps, but your final word of advice for those wanting to live their passion. Yeah, I, I think um, don't put pressure on yourself um, to be the best at your passion or an expert at your passion. I think, you know, for those looking to follow, and I, I speak from an online content creation standpoint because that's what I know, but I think you should see more success in the fact that you're, uh, you're sharing your journey. You might not be where you want to be, but you, are, you have the courage to document your journey anyway. That's some of the most relatable content that you can create. But I think you also need to see the success in publishing itself. And you could probably relate with this, Stephen, but there's so many people um, sitting behind computers right now in day jobs that they don't love and they want to do something, they want to pursue something creatively or around their passion, but they haven't taken the first step to publish. And I think, you know, you know like we've just launched a podcast knowing very well that when we get 100 episodes in, we're going to be cringing at the first five to 10 episodes. We know that. Right. Uh, what we're proud to do is that we are publishing and we're showing up every week for our audience and we're getting the content out there. That is the game. Uh, and, and, and you know your skills are going to compound over time. So if whether you're freelancing and you're just start, starting to, to break into photography or design, um, you know, offer your services at a discount or work for free, but compound that knowledge. But be prolific. You know, work with... You know, I remember when I used to... Um, uh, do freelance work with photographers. Um, one of one of my clients was one of the w- most well-known photographers in Australia, and I asked her how she got started, and she said, "Yeah, I did fifty shoots for free in like a, a four-month period," and and that sounds absolutely outrageous to to a lot of people in that trade, but but being able to be so prolific for free completely kickstarted her career because she had a huge portfolio out the gates, a huge referral engine out the gates. So the, the cost of investment up front was totally worth it to her. And I think that this is this is a prime example of, you know, publishing prolifically, attaining clients prolifically, and just learning your trade as fast as you can. But again, using minimalism, what is the most important thing you can be doing? And it's usually the hardest thing. And it's normally the shoots, it's the clients, it's the content, um, it's that the heart and soul of your business. That's what you need to be doing all the time, as much as you can, and then success will follow from there. It's Michael Faye, the website again, theminimalistvegan.com. Michael, thanks so much. I'm glad we made the time. I'm glad you find the time. We have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. It's been a pleasure, Stephen continued success um this is steve persek and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to juice guru radio find out more about us at juice until next time get your juice on